0: Good morning everybody and welcome to our online service today. My name is John Besson and I'm one of the pastors at Connect Church in Cape Town. What I want to focus on this morning or today is how we as Christians respond to the ongoing nature uh, of this COVID pandemic uh, that's been going on for well over nine months uh, at the moment. I think by now we're all aware of the impact this has had on people's lives. It's brought untold hardship for for so many people, especially those living uh, in poorer communities. It's resulted in the most unlikely people losing quite a significant uh, portion of their income. We all know of people who've been hospitalized. And there have been those of us, and some of you listening to me this morning, who've actually lost loved ones uh, through or because of of COVID, And, and that's, that's meant a, a time of grieving and, and a big time of adjustment in a very unusual time uh, like this. I was speaking to a colleague of mine just uh, the other day who was saying that he has got five funerals to do uh, in the next while because of people dying because of COVID. And certainly COVID has challenged the way that we do things uh, from classrooms to online learning. Uh, watching our services on TV or on a computer or on a tablet uh, instead of being together as God's people. And I know for for many of us, uh, we've enjoyed the convenience of that. We've enjoyed the flexibility of that. But I guess it would be true to say all of us have had enough of COVID now. I think the longevity of it, the fact that it's been going on for such a long time has definitely had an impact on on all of us. I know it has uh, for me. But now that we're going through uh, another year of this, what we want to ensure is that COVID does not end up dominating our lives. And I think that's that's quite an important thing for us to recognize at the moment, that there is the possibility and the reality that that COVID can end up dominating uh, our lives rather than the fact that we are believers and followers of Jesus Christ, where God's word gives us the wisdom and the direction we need to respond to what is going on around us, especially in the year that lies ahead of us. Recently, while I was spending some time with the Lord, I was reminded of the way in which the early church responded to persecution and to the opposition that they were facing, the way they handled the limitations Uh, that were placed on them and also the way they chose to live out their faith in very difficult times. When Paul wrote to the Philippian church, you remember that he was under house arrest, probably in Rome. But when we read the letter that he writes, we realize that his response, his attitude, and his actions were all the result of his deep relationship with Jesus. Listen to um, how he puts it when he writes to the Philippian church in chapter one, and I'm going to read from verse three. And maybe you can follow with me. The, uh, the scriptures will be on the screen as I'm reading to you. I thank my God every time I remember you in all of my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone that I'm in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, sincerely. Supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of all of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Now it's this response to what was happening in his life that I want to focus on today. Because our response to COVID should also be the result of our relationship with Jesus, despite all the limitations and the uncertainties that we are facing right now. And when I looked at this portion of Scripture, I see that there are five underlying factors that influenced the way that believers responded to their trials, their limitations, and the, persecutions, uh, the persecution that they were facing in their times. And let me highlight those because I believe they will help us as we navigate the year that lies ahead of us. The first one is that standing, to, standing together to support one another was a non-negotiable. Here were were believers who stood together, who supported one another, and for them it was a non-negotiable. Look again at verse 3 where Paul says, I thank my God every time I remember you. When Paul, although Paul's in prison, he's thinking about the Philippians, he's got the Philippians on his heart. In verse 7 and 8 he said, it's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. I can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And you know, when we read the Bible, it's very obvious that believers made an effort to stand together and to support one another in difficult times. In fact, this is meant to be one of the defining factors Of the Christian faith, loving God and loving one another. And you know, if this was something automatic, we would not find constant exhortations in the Bible to do so. Listen to what Paul said to the uh, Thessalonian believers when he wrote to them in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now about brotherly love, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. In fact, you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia. And listen to this. Yet we urge you, brothers, to do so more and more. But the thing that I want to focus on this today is how we practice this during COVID. How we practice this loving one another, supporting one another, and standing together during COVID. And there are three things that all of us can do as we stand together together. And as we support one another, let me highlight them for you uh, this morning, because I think they're important. They may be things that are very obvious, but certainly for me, they are things that are very important. The first one is that we we need to regularly pray for one another. Paul said in verse four, in all of my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. You know, I was personally challenged as, as I was reading what Paul was praying for as well that their love for one another would grow deeper and deeper. And the one thing we must not do is limit the scope and the extent of our prayers for one another during the season that lies ahead of us. And, and if we're going to be praying for one another, I think we need to be aware of what's going, what is going on in each other's lives. I think, in, in, in fact, when, when I read what Paul wrote over here, it's appropriate to actually express to one another and convey to one another the fact that we are praying for one another. And 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 I know that I've, I've been very privileged. I've often had people who've contacted me and just said, uh, on the spur of the moment, out of the blue, I'm praying for you, John. I've just had you on my heart and I've been praying for you. Just imagine if that became kind of a wave that swept through the church as believers constantly were in contact with one another saying, I want you to know that I am praying for you because I've got you my heart. A second thing is expressing care and affection for one another. Paul says it's right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in, in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection that is in Christ Jesus. And you know the things that we say to one another, are one of the ways we can stand together and support one another by expressing our affection in the Lord uh, for one another. The third thing is to encourage one another. And, you know, the word encourage means to give support, confidence, or hope to someone. Listen to what Paul said in verse 6. He said, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion or carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Encouraging one another is another means of supporting and strengthening one another. Let me highlight those three again, regularly praying for one another, expressing care and affection for one another, and encouraging one another. And that's how believers were intentional about standing together and supporting one another in the times that they were going through. Isn't that so appropriate for the times uh, we are living in right now? But the second underlying factor that influenced the way that believers responded to one another was that the changing circumstances that they found themselves in, for example, Paul when he was in prison, provided new opportunities for ministry. Changing circumstances provide new opportunities in ministry. And that's what Paul highlights in verse 12. He said, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, in other words, the fact that I'm under house arrest, I'm in prison, has really served to advance the gospel. And instead of Paul bemoaning the fact that he was in prison, he was looking at the way, uh, the, the different opportunities this had given him for ministry. And we discover that that some of the prison guards had come to faith. Because of Paul being in prison, and obviously what he would have done would have been to witness and share his faith with him while he was in prison. Believers had become more bold in sharing their faith because of Paul's conduct and witness while he was in prison. Isn't it interesting to note over here how one person's devotion to Christ spurred others on to be devoted to Christ as well? Now, when I was thinking about this message and praying about this message, a saying formed in my mind that almost became uh, the title for the message. It goes like this. We must not let the limitations of COVID limit our love for God, our willingness to serve and our faith in God. I believe this pandemic has only served to highlight the fact that the opportunities for minist- there are opportunities for ministry all around us. You know, what we needed, and I think what all of us have needed, me included, was for some of the blinkers to come off to see just how many opportunities there are around us. There are people at the moment who are far more ready to talk about what they believe than at any other time before. The small things that we're doing are having a much bigger impact on people because people have become so much more appreciative Of those small things, those small things like a phone call, dropping off a meal or contacting somebody to say that you have them on your heart. I know that staff and patients in hospitals have been deeply moved by Christians who are gathering outside the hospitals to pray for the staff and to pray for those who are in hospital. And you know, this pandemic may have put some limits on our freedom of movement but it's certainly not limited what God is doing in people's lives. May I remind you of what Paul said in verse 12. Let me remind you again. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel A third underlying factor that influenced the way that that believers or Christians responded to their hardships and to the trials in the days in which they were living is that God often does unexpected things when his people continue to trust him. You know, Paul makes a very unexpected comment in verse 14. He says, because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the, the word of God more courageously and fearlessly and instead of these believers going underground because of what had happened to Paul they became even more proactive about sharing their faith than ever before and you know I, th- I think and I believe that, that one of the things we need to observe and factor in is what God starts to do in people's hearts during hard times Paul even saw the benefit of those who wanted to make things more difficult for him by preaching with the wrong motives. You may remember what happened uh, when he was in prison in Philippi himself. You remember that the prison jailer and his whole family came to faith in Jesus in the middle of the night. In Acts 16, we read, that the jailer called for lights. This was after Paul and and, and and Silas, they were worshiping God in the middle of the night. The Bible tells us they were singing hymns and praising God uh, in the middle of the night. Suddenly there was an earthquake. The prison doors flew open. Their chains came off. And, and the jailer comes rushing down. He's about to put himself to death because he thinks the prisoners have all escaped. And Paul says to him, we're all here. Don't do that. And in response, the jailer calls for lights, rushed in, and he fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And you know, isn't it amazing to see what God does in some of the most unlikely circumstances? I'm sure many of you have got your own stories about that. I've, I've just been so aware of of my wife who many of you all know is is a nursing sister and she has been mobilizing people in different churches to reach out to hospitals uh, and, and share their appreciation of, of what the staff are doing taking them little gifts and so onwards and as I'm standing and preaching to you uh, today uh, there are about 20 different churches who've been mobilized across the country who've reached out to hospitals and people in clinics to pray for them to express their appreciation for them and it's amazing to see what God does in the hearts of people in difficult times. A fourth underlying factor that had an influence on the way that believers were responding to the challenges that they were facing in their times is that a person's attitude and this is quite an important one for me personally, a person's attitude certainly affects the way they see things. As I mentioned, this point has had such value for me during this time of COVID. I've come to realize there have been times when I've needed an attitude adjustment because of the way that I'm interpreting things around about me. And I don't know if this has happened to you, but you get to, yourself, you get to a point where you're just seeing things quite negatively, um, kind of lose sight a little bit of what God is doing. And, and, and there have been times I've needed an attitude adjustment because of that. You know, I often wonder to myself how I would have responded if I was under house arrest or in prison like Paul was. And I'm not suggesting for a moment that it's wrong to be discouraged or disheartened at times. But it's when we choose to stay that way that there's a problem. Listen to some of the comments that Paul makes in his letter to the Philippian church. Now, I've pulled these comments out because when we put them together, we, we begin to pick up a little bit of Paul's attitude uh, and, and his approach to what was happening in his life. In verse 3, he says, I thank God every time I remember you. Verse 4, he said, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Verse 6, he said, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work within you will bring it to completion. In verse 12, he says, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel Listen to verse 18. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. And then verse 19, 18 and 19. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. And, you know, there are times we we need to come to God and we need to unburden ourselves. Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden. But we also need to at the same time receive his peace and receive his comfort and allow his spirit to minister to us so that we see what is happening around us through the eyes of faith. Now, the last point I I want to draw out this morning is maybe not all that obvious, But it's certainly an underlying factor that influenced the response of the early church to the challenges they were facing. And it's this. It's that God is still sovereign even when things don't work out the way we hoped for. And Paul wrote to the Philippians in verse 6. I want you to hear his words. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Listen to what he says in verse 7, for whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. And then verse 9, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. God's sovereignty, that word sovereignty, which means that God has got all authority, that all things are under his control, is not an escape clause for Christians when things go wrong. It's, it's not a phrase we use, well, well God is sovereign where, when things start going wrong. For me, it's a faith builder. That word God's sovereignty, it's a faith builder because we know and we are confident of the one who is in control. You remember in the Old Testament, Daniel's three friends, when they were threatened by Nebuchadnezzar because they refused to bow down to his gods and the big idol that he had created. And when he threatened them with being thrown into the fiery furnace, their response to him was this. The God we serve is able to save us. But then they go on to say, but even if he does not, we want you to know, That we will not serve your God. That's the sovereignty of God. We absolutely trust God. Whatever's going to happen, we trust God. Because we know the one in whom we have believed. You'll remember that the way that the believers prayed in Acts chapter 4. When facing persecution and opposition from the religious authorities of the day. It says they gathered together to pray in Acts chapter 4. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Listen to the words they pray. Here's these words. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything that's in them. You spoke through the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, through the, the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? Quoting Psalm 2. The kings of the earth take their stand. And the rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. And listen to this. They did what your power and your will had decided beforehand should happen. And then listen to the way that they prayed. Now, Lord... Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. The sovereignty of God emboldened them when they they prayed. They, they, They prayed with great boldness, trusting God. That he would work even more powerfully in their lives. There would be this this outpouring and filling of the Holy Spirit. That God would do signs, wonders and miracles. The sovereignty of God is not an escape clause. The sovereignty of God is is one of the ways we express our deep faith and trust in the Lord. If we come back to the theme of this message that I started with earlier on. It's a reminder or may I say even a wake up call that COVID must not undermine who we are and what we do, but rather our relationship with Jesus, the work and the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God that will guide us through these days. Let's be alert to these things. Let's be aware of the fact that we are followers of Jesus, that we are people of faith, that we do believe in the sovereign God who has his hand on all things, that we trust in his word, that God will give us the wisdom and the grace that we need for the year that lies ahead of us. Now, I want to take, as I close off, to take a few moments just to pray. And I want to pray that, that we will be alert to the fact that we are his followers, that we are called believers because we believe Him and we trust in Him. And that we have a strong faith as we look to Him and that as we trust Him. So will you pray with me for a few minutes? Well, I want to thank you for this time and this opportunity this morning. That we have had to reflect on what is an appropriate response for us who are your followers in this time of COVID, this COVID pandemic, and Lord, you know this has been going on for a long time now. You know this has affected people in so many different ways. Even people, Lord, who who are, are have been listening here this morning who've, who've lost loved ones. There are other people, Lord, who've been through the trauma of cat of getting COVID and being hospitalised and all that go, that's gone with that. And maybe some Lord who are even still trying to recover. But all of us, Lord, you know have, have been impacted by this. But, Father, I want to pray that you'll give us the grace to keep loving one another. Lord, that you will give us the grace to stand together and support one another. Lord, that our faith and trust will be in you. That you, Lord, will, as you open up many opportunities for ministry, Father, that COVID wouldn't determine what we do. But the fact that we are your followers, that we are followers of Jesus Christ, will determine our response And what we do in the days in which we are living. I pray just for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon all of our lives. Even for those who are feeling weak at the moment. That God would strengthen you with power in your innermost being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Lord, I pray strengthen your people. Give us your peace. Enable us to persevere and to push through. Because Lord, we trust in you. And we believe in you. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. And may the Lord richly bless you during the course of the week that lies ahead of you.